What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. We gon' make it all the way. We don't care what they all will say. Don't listen to the hate, no. Listen to my fate, yo. Destined to be great, yo. What up? What up? What up? Man, feels good to be back in the pod seat again. I'm fired up. And I'm not sure why it feels like it's been so long, but it does. And I believe this episode is going to drop on or around Christmas. So we'll see how it goes. But I also think this episode um, is going to be killer. But we'll talk more about that. Today I have the Thunder from Down Under, Nick Kahuna, <laughs> love child of GV Black and Britney Spears, Dr. Steve Vandegraaff. Steve, how you doing? I like I like the ring of that. Yeah, if only it was from down under. Well, I have a cool voice and all that stuff. We're going to tell people that you are. We're going to tell people that you surf, and we're just going to tell people you're BA all around because you are. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll fulfill it. I'll be, I'll become a surfer, one of those rad dudes, saying tubular on the beach all the time. Oh, that'd be sick. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm doing great. Man, where are you? Are you uh, on the farm? Are you in Florida? It's always like, where's Justin every it's time I talk like, to you? Yeah. It's kind of like the Waldo game. I am at home in St. Louis, and I am home here through Christmas, and probably go back to farm a little bit, and then we head down to Florida for the winter come, I don't know. My, me and my wife go back and forth. Hunting season technically goes to like the 20th of January. So I'm like, why don't we just leave the 20th of January? She's like, well, that's stupid because it's like 80 in uh, Florida. And it's like 80 below here in St. Louis. So I get it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. You don't ever like get tired of hunting though, right? Like you don't I burn don't. out before it, the 20th. I know. I don't. It's weird. You would think. Um, it's just. I mean, everybody's got their thing. That's just for whatever reason my thing and uh i don't know i don't know you wouldn't necessarily guess it all the time well now you would guess it more like when i practice you know i drove a range rover i had to keep up appearances better um you know i got regular haircuts and did all the things you're supposed to do and now these days i mean i'm not just saying i let it all go to pop but (laughs) now i drive a truck and you're like swain now you've like pulled a swain ever since you sold your practice and you're done with this stuff (laughs) yep i sure have uh just without his dough it's it's good man it's it's nice it's nice not to feel like you know you got to keep up appearances and stuff like that so nice i haven't showered in a month (laughs) <laughs> that's the best part of it all. Yeah, I'm doing this podcast in my underwear right now. That's <laughs> that's how much I care. No. Um, so we'll be in St. Louis through Christmas, and then we'll head down to Florida a little later in the month. Um, how about you? You going back to uh, Utah, um, or are you going to stay? We'll be mostly around town. So I mean, my wife's family. <laughs> well, I'm going to go to Australia, because that's, <laughs> that's i got to be the Thunder Down Under. Actually, that would be really fun. I should look into that. We're going to be in Nashville visiting my uh, wife's family. So we'll have a country music Christmas. It'll be nice. Nice. Tender Tennessee Christmas, Amy Grant style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You guys ever listen to that Amy Grant Christmas? Unfortunately, the radio is on in the office all day, every day, and we hear it a lot. Yeah. We go through a lot of – my wife grew up listening to that, so – Pretty much on repeat here. (laughs) 
but that's why that's why he's head out quite a bit. Anyways, let's get started um, for this nice Christmas episode. I hope people will listen, even though it's Christmas. Actually, I, I don't. I hope you don't spend your Christmas listening to this episode, but I hope the 26th in the morning, I hope you're on this bright and early. Yeah. Um, so anyways, today we're going to talk about an epidemic going around and it's a serious epidemic and it's called diarrhea of the mouth. And a lot of you have it and it's costing you money every day. And to be honest, I'm sure once upon a time, I was a sufferer of this condition as well. And I truly believe if this episode is taken to heart and implemented, it could make you listeners millions of dollars over your career. And that's not an exaggeration. I am not being grandiose or fantastical or other words that mean those things. I, I truly believe this. If you take this stuff to heart, it could literally change your life. It could change your family's life. And yeah. Yeah. But it's true. It's good. I'd estimate on average eight to nine times out of 10, I'd say a solid eight to nine times out of 10. When I ask a doctor about their case presentation skills, they bring up the fact that they talk too much when talking to patients about treatment. And mm -hmm. I tend to agree. Steve, I'm guessing you probably see the same thing or maybe have even experienced the same thing yourself. Definitely. Myself, um, especially early on, I found myself vomiting from the mouth a lot. And I think it is the natural tendency for all of us to kind of go off and bury the patient in unneeded information that ends up just confusing them. Um, patients don't need to know how something is fixed, what your materials are, are you know, what's going to be done. And we just need to remember, dentists need to remember, when you're talking with patients, less is more. It's your yep. motto. Remember that. Less is more. I've been, I've been using that motto since college, Steve. <laughs> um, nice. And although there is no prescription for this disease or pill you can take to get rid of it, it can be remedied. The reason it happens, or that most doctors struggle with it, in my opinion, is a lack of confidence at the root. We feel like we have no other option than to just keep talking to the patient until we talk them into submission. When in reality, we're digging our own hole deeper. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is a very important paradigm shift. We have to get this. We often feel we need to convince our patients that we're suggest, what we're suggesting is the right thing. Which makes sense, right? But the real sale happens when they see that we, as the doctors, believe what we're suggesting is the right thing. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, patients need to see we believe passionately, wholeheartedly, con concretely, confidently that what we're presenting as the solution to their problem is the best solution to that problem and that we're the best person they could find for that job. That's when or why patients purchase our services. Mm -hmm. So although, although our goal is that patients believe that they have a problem and that what we're offering is the best solution to their problems, we get there to that point much quicker if the patient feels our confidence 
in what we're offering. Not the wishy-washy, well, even though there's caries and this filling is leaking or this tooth has a big crack coming down the side of it, this tooth might someday, sometime, if you want to, if you're not doing anything next week, maybe, maybe it could use a crown. That's not confidence. That's not sales. That's being a puss. And if you don't know this yet, the sooner you learn it, the better off you'll be. When you say anything but, you need XYZ to a patient. They hear, I don't really need it. Or they hear, it can wait. So, you know, this tooth probably needs a crown. As a patient, I hear, this tooth doesn't need a crown yet. When you say to a patient, well, you could do this, I'm hearing, I don't have to do that. There's the other option, the other alternative is to not do it. When you say, it looks like this tooth is getting a cavity, in our mind as doctors, I know it because I've, I am a doctor, I guess. I forgot about that. But even though, you know, because I, I've dealt with the same thing. When we say, it looks like this tooth is given, getting a cavity, in our mind, we're telling the patient, you have a cavity and it needs to be fixed. But they hear, right now, everything is fine. It just looks like it. We all have a tendency when we're given an inch to take a mile in the direction we want to go. And a perfect example of this, for those of you that have kids, you'll understand. If my kids ask something like, can we go to the park, Dad? Then I say, maybe. They're essentially putting on their shoes and getting ready to go to the park. They're standing at the door. What are you guys doing? You said maybe, which to them, because they want to do it, means we're going to the park. If they ask, Dad, do I have to clean my room? And I say, maybe. They hear, no, you don't have to clean your room. So it's human nature, and we all do it. <laughs> yeah. It's like those little, you know, comic bubbles where you say this, and I'm hearing this. They're not necessarily <laughs> related. They're perhaps complete opposite things. Um, I really liked what you said at the beginning of that though. Um, how a real important part of it is just us believing it as, you know, as the dentist or the doctor, we need to believe in the treatment. A few months back, I, he I heard an interesting, um, I, I read an interesting report on case presentation and it was about using intraoral cameras and, just as a side note, we are big proponents of it. We think patients seeing what's wrong um, in their mouth right on a screen in front of their eyes is huge. But it was interesting. The study said they weren't sure if that was the reason why it increased case acceptance or if it was just because the dentist, I think it was a young dentist, but if the dentist, when they were taking the pictures and they put them up on the screen, it made the dentist believe more in the treatment that they were selling the patients. Um, it made them believe it more. And uh, so I think that, that we have to kind of internalize and have confidence in the, that what we're telling them is really the best thing for them. And patients, if there's any, you know, hesitation, it's kind of like blood in the water with sharks. They're, they're just not going to take it. You have to come through confident, concise, 
but very, very, you know, believing that they need what you're going to tell them they need. And you're using the word need when you say it. Yep. I love that. I love those little facts where it's kind of like, I always picture things like what you just said, like with the intro photos, I kind of picture them like those 3d pictures where you look at it and you see one thing, but like when you stare at it a little bit, <laughs> yeah, something else jumps out at you. And that's a good, it's kind of like that intro oral photos because I've often said the one thing I would not want to practice without was intro oral photos. And it's such I never really thought about it the way you just brought it up, but it is such a good point that it's kind of like a confidence booster. When we have it up on the screen, we're like, ha ha, like there's like our big bodyguard behind us. Like, don't mess with this dude. Like, you know, this guy standing back here. That's, that's our intraoral photo. Um, you know, another thing my hygienist would do is when I didn't like her to overdo it. And I also didn't like her to be fake about it, but she was very good at finding that right amount. Like when I'm telling a patient they need this or that, and I would see a slight nod, you know, very subtle, not like, yes, yes, that's what you need. That's what you need. But, you know, just an agreement out of the side of my eye, that would be like a, a boost for me. Like, hell yeah. Yeah. Everyone believes you need this. Yeah. But <laughs> right. Kind of the same thing. Yeah. It kind of spurred me on, but Bottom line, you have to present directly and with confidence and believe that what you're offering is the absolute best thing for your patients, which I know is what you really are offering. But because of fear of rejection, the fear of an awkward situation, or fear of the patient punching you in the face, you kind of tell them what they need. And then you keep talking until you talk yourself out of the sale. And the patient eventually gets to the point where they think you have n no clue what they need. Imagine, imagine this. This is my great metaphorical example, um, which I'm just full of tonight, it seems like. Um, imagine you're going to buy a new car, and you pull up to the dealership, and the salesperson comes out, and you tell them, I want the fastest car you have on the lot. That's all you tell them. It's the only criteria you have. They say, okay. And you guys walk over to this fast looking car and they say, this is a fast car. And you're looking it over and you're taking it all, all in. You're not disagreeing with anything. You're just kind of looking it over. And while you're looking it over, they start in and I'm not a car person here. So bear with me. Well, this car has like 500 horsepower. Uh, it has racing wheels. You say, okay, well, uh, it has a whammy bar. You don't understand. This car is really fast, probably. And that's what we do as clinicians. You know, we keep talking. Now, imagine you walk up to that same lot. A different person comes out. And you say the same thing. I want the fastest car on the lot. And they say, follow me. And they take you to another fast-looking car. And they say, this is the fastest car we have on the lot. And they just let it sit. You didn't ask about horsepower or whammy bars. And a few minutes later, you say, I'll take it. Of the two salespeople, who do you feel is more confident that the car they took you to is the fastest car on the lot? You didn't need to know about all the details of how the tooth gets cut down, how you cement it, 
what the appointment looks like. If you wanted to know all that stuff, you could have asked them, and I'm sure they would have given you the details, but you didn't. You asked for the fastest car period. And when patients are coming to you for an exam, they're often asking for the fastest car. You need to go into your exams with the presupposition that your patients are asking you, what, if anything, needs to be fixed in my mouth, and how do you fix it? Yeah, and you can ask them to ask you those questions. You know, if you find, if you catch yourself, you know, talking about a procedure, you know, so an implant, it, you know, you put it in there and your body grows to it and it becomes a part of you and then you can put a crown. If you catch yourself kind of going off, vomiting at the mouth, just stop and then to get back on course, just ask the patient, say, what are your thoughts about this? Or what would you like to have done with your mouth? And then quiet, kind of shut up and just listen. It might, it may be like a couple seconds, but at their answer after those few, that short pause is going to tell you what is their priority and what is the most likely thing that they are going to accept treatment on. And that's the first thing that you should do. So when in doubt, just ask a question. Right. Yeah. And I love asking questions. We feel like we can't ask those kind of things because you know, it's just not part of what we've been taught. You know, I think 100%, if you feel like you need permission to, I mean, I think you can go in just assuming that they came to you for cleaning an exam that's giving you permission. But if you feel like you need it more, if you need to hear it, just ask them. Is it okay, Mrs. Smith, if I go over a few things that I found on my exam with you? Sure, Justin. Fire away. Um... Here are a list, and this is an important list. So listen closely, please. Here's a list of things patients are often not asking you, but we often assume they are asking it. Here's my list, three of them. Number one, this is a patient talking to you as the doctor. Can you only tell me things about things that you think I can afford we think patients are saying that to us, but they're not. The next one, can you only tell me things you think I want to hear? Again, we make assumptions. And three, can you avoid telling me things that would make me more attractive? Since looking our best is a universal desire shared by everyone in the world, except me and the rest of your patient base. We tend to think the more words we use, we can eventually talk them into submission or we're impressing them or they just need to be educated in the nuances of dental treatment. And then they'll accept our suggestions. When in reality, they really want to know that we're confident in the belief that what we're offering is the absolute best thing for them. Just like the car sales person who walked right up and said, this is the fastest car in a lot, period. And by us rambling on, it not only wastes productive time in the office, but actually shows a lack of confidence to the patient, which is the exact thing they want to hear. They don't know what's going on or what they need to fix it, but they, they need to know that we do. And what does this look like in everyday practice? Let's put it in brass tacks. Let's bring it, let's bring it home. And we want to make this very simple for you. So we've came up with this very confusing outline 
to help you start to cure this disease of talk too muchitis. And the formula goes like this, and it can help all your patients, and it can make you rich, and it goes like this. You ready? Here it is. This is what's going on, and this is how we treat it. Mrs. Goodman, you have a large filling on your upper right that has failed. The tooth is starting to crack, and we can fix it and prevent it from cracking completely by doing a crown or a cap on the tooth. Do you have any questions? Nice. Now, yeah, thank you. Now, obviously, what we're not covering, which isn't our goal of this episode, is you have to build rapport before this. And it would be good to have a picture of the tooth up in front of them. But I thought it was for the patient's benefit, but actually it's just for yours to give you even more confidence. It's all about confidence. But what we're not doing in this formula is giving the history of the tooth, of how it got to that point, all the reasons why we're not suggesting a filling, all the minutia that goes into the crown appointment. If they want that information, they can ask. That's why I said, do you have any questions? But don't assume when you say, Mrs. Goodman, you have a large filling on your upper right that has failed. The tooth is starting to crack, and we can fix it and prevent it from cracking further by doing a crown or a cap on the tooth. That your patient is, their first immediate thought is, you money-hungry SOB. The only reason you're going to do a crown is because it costs more. Or, here's another thought that they're not having, that we think they're having, the 90-year-old doctor you bought this practice from two years ago who couldn't see out of one eye didn't mention it. So you must be trying to make your next Porsche payment. Right. Because I know that's what a lot of you are thinking goes through your patient's mind. And I know this because I talked to a lot of you and I thought the same things myself once upon a time. Yeah. I like it. Short, sweet. This is what you need. If you catch yourself saying, if you hear yourself saying the words, I suggest or I recommend you need to cut those words out of your vocabulary because I'd recommend a crown for this tooth is uh, it's an opinion. You know, just say this broken tooth needs a crown needs the proper word here. Don't say advise. Those are opinion words that make the patient feel like something can go either way. So a clear diagnosis, what's wrong needs a clear needed treatment, the fix, what, what you do about it, A and B. 100%. And this brings us to our next point. Again, I know it happens on almost universally on almost every transition. We assume that when we take over for a retiring doc that has been underdiagnosing, that all their patients want to be underdiagnosed, that they don't want to hear what could really benefit their oral health. And that's just BS. If you're doing a good job of building rapport, a connection with the patient, and they see the team likes you, which is those couple things is where it all starts. If you go in with confidence and sincerity, even though this is, this is the first time you've seen them, you can tell them what they really need. And if you do it with confidence, they will believe you and often accept your treatment. Will it happen every single time? Of course not. That's not reality. Same with if you have been in that practice for 20 years, you're still not going to get 100% case acceptance, but you will do much better with this approach than if you continue the negligent underdiagnosis because you're scared 
but you're hiding behind this veil of, well, I'm just going to get to know these patients for the first year because they don't want to hear what they could really benefit from, from just little old doc, new doctor me. Because I know that's exactly what a lot of you in that situation think. I know it. Right now, I'm sure some of you are thinking, I'm talking directly to you. And you're right. I am. Because I was you once upon a time. And let me go ahead and drop another truth bomb attack on you right now. And if you embrace it, it will make your life so much easier and more profitable. But first, I got to take a drink. <laughs> that was like, such, a, such a cliffhanger right there. It's like yeah, we're waiting for the truth bomb and then. I know. <laughs> um, so back to the truth bomb. So when you're doing your exam and you're going through the mouth, and you're seeing multiple issues that the patient could benefit from or avoid future issues if they were corrected, you start to grade on a sliding scale, don't you? And you start to make assumptions for the patient. Well, I can probably tell this patient this is going on in your head. Well, I can probably tell them they need one and a half teeth worked on before they get mad and leave my practice. Or they can probably afford one of the three crowns they really need done this year. So that's what I'm going to tell them. And here's all you have to do. And when I learned this and accepted it and lived by it, man, it made my life easier. And here's the truth bomb. We ready? Drum roll. Ready. Hit it. (laughs) But here it is. Here's all you have to do. Instead of grading on that sliding scale, just be honest. Take all of the gray scale out of the equation. If they need it, or could benefit from it, present it. If they don't need it, don't present it. Don't assume they don't want exactly what they came to you for. Mrs. Williams, I understand you may not want to hear this, but my job is to inform you of exactly what I see. You have three teeth with very large fillings that have failed, and the teeth have some cracking. These teeth need crowns, to fix them correctly. They are all ready right now, but ultimately it's up to you. We can fix all three in one appointment, or if you would like to spread them out, we can do that also. Do you have any questions? We presented the problem and solution in no uncertain terms. We did it with sincerity, understanding, and confidence. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't assume anything. I have a testimonial for this. This happened yesterday. In my office. So um, a lady came in. We had done a couple. She had a full upper and then, you know, some worn teeth on bottom. And we did some class fives. And, you know, I think the patient portion for her was like 20 bucks for each of these fillings. And when we showed it to her, she kind of like threw a little fit. Anyways, we did them. Uh, This was a couple weeks ago. And then she came in back again yesterday with a mask over her face just humiliated because she had a denture from, you know, a tooth from her old denture pop out. Anyways, I'm repairing her denture on the same patient that, you know, was moaning about her $20 feelings. And I just had a minute to talk to her. And I said, you know, you've had this denture a long time. Wouldn't it be nice if you just put a couple little implants in there so you could have a snap in denture instead of this old denture that you were wearing a mask with. And, the same lady that, you know, moaned over $20, I really didn't think she was going to do it. But I'm trying to force myself to 
you know, present these treatment plans was all game. And now she's going to be coming in next month for, you know, $8,000 appointment where we're going to put in a bunch of implants and, and, uh, get her denture to step in. You can't assume, you know, what people, I mean, even if they've been cheap in the past, you don't know what they want. All you can do is try to give them the best treatment. I wouldn't focus on, you know, the details, clinical specifics, but just state how it will help their life. Would you like to be able to chew and not have this thing fallen out anymore? And you did your part. You did your part. And if you do it to everyone, just the law of numbers, patients are going to say yes, but you have to do it to everyone. Right. And there's nothing offensive about how you offered that to her. Had she said no, you wouldn't have said, well, in that case, I'm not going to treat you. Get out of my office. All you did was say, hey, just so you know, we can do this. You know, you have this option and not just assuming, oh, she'd never want to know. I know, as you probably know, Steve, in the course I present on the TLP Academy, I give a very similar example of absolutely a life-changing experience for me, very similar to what you described. Patient's name was Mike. Ah, uh, yes. That's all I can say. No, John, John. I remember Patient's this. Name was yeah, John. this is good. Yeah. It's a great example. And this is probably my second year out, I would guess. And, you know, I had seen him probably two or three times. He's a farmer. He was in like, you know roughly every eight months, broke another tooth. And he just needed a lot of repair that hadn't been done because the previous doctor before me knew John didn't like crowns. So we had fixed a few already and he came back in and, you know, looking at this dude, you would assume like this guy doesn't have a penny to his name, you know, but as we all, anyone who has a lot of farmer base, like, no, a lot of times they may not look like it, but they got some, some cheddar. But anyways, I didn't know John's situation. All I said was him. And I didn't think in a million years, if you would have said, you know, what's your over under on this? I would have said 10,000 bucks. There's no way this guy's going to go for this. But I said, John, you've been in here a couple of times already the past couple of years, been breaking a tooth. You know, it's either harvest season or planting season or whatever other season there is. And, you know, it's always catching you at the, a bad time. I know you don't like coming in here, driving in, you know, 30 minutes from the farm, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I was like, we probably have some other teeth that are going to be in the same position for too long. You probably have about 10 of them. Would you like just to get them all done in one fell swoop? And he sat there and like, I'm thinking this guy's going to be, look at me like I have 15 heads. And he thought about it for about five seconds. And he looked at me, he's like, yeah, when can we get it done? I'm like, laying them back. <laughs> but I mean, to me, that was such an eye opener and such a, you know, just a realization of, my own shortcomings of how many times, even to that point, I have made assumptions based off what I think a patient wanted to hear, what I thought they could afford, all those things. And that was like a light bulb, life-changing moment for me when I just said, I'm just going to present what I think is best for the patient and let them decide. It's not going to hurt my feelings. They say no. They say yes. Great. But that's all I have to do is be honest with them. And that took up so much pressure off me. Yeah. And your, your uh, rapport was instantly created with all your farm talk. Cause you're, you know, you have all this inside farmer knowledge that probably really Thank helped you. you there. Thank you. Yeah. I probably thought I was a farmer myself. <laughs> um, anyways, going back to where we were each and every single word from when you walk into that room to meet a patient and, or do an exam needs to earn its way into the conversation. We're on the home stretch here. Follow this. Imagine these words that you are using 
when you're going in for your exams. Imagine they're having a grudge match to fight their way, to earn their way into that conversation. And you need to be constantly refining and polishing your one-act play. And you do that by practice and reflection. What went well in that patient interaction? What didn't go well that I shouldn't do again? What, how did I put my foot in my mouth? Or what resonated with the patient to make them understand or agree or whatever? And ultimately, how you quit just rambling on and suffering from diarrhea of the mouth. And this is the final truth bomb. You ready? Final truth bomb of the episode, how you stop doing that is you just stop it. Only you can stop it. There's no pill. There's no one who's going to stand behind you with a shot collar and zap you every time you start to ramble on and do your best to talk yourself out of the sale. You have to control yourself and you have to be on the lookout. You have to be aware of it and in your mind say, hey, Justin, you're going on and on. Remember, we just talked about this. Knock it off. Just shut up. Just tell them what they need and move on. And that's it. Third third and final truth bomb of the night. Yeah, I love it. I love how you talk about this a lot, Justin. And I know this is one big way that you, when you were practicing, just had huge production every day is because you believe this and the way you talk to patients about it. And I'll just add at the end, I think there's a little kind of spike in self-confidence when you can really just be honest with patients about what they need and tell them in a simple and clear way. You're not going to worry about what anyone thinks. You're not going to worry about what they assume. You're just confident in saying things like it is. You know, it helps them accept treatment, but it gives you, when you really accept this truth, it kind of gives you a little swagger in a sense. It just makes each day at the office smoother when you're being real and authentic. You don't need to worry about what patients may be thinking about you. Yep. I agree with that. Was, that's a good realization there that the honesty helps the confidence because you, you're taking out the grayscale. You know, you're not having to think about, was this assumption right about this patient? Was this assumption wrong? Did they really not want to hear it or did I just chicken out? Um, you know, it's all you have to do is be honest. You can't lose that way. And you're going to come out way ahead, in my opinion, if you will just tell people what they could really use and benefit from and take away the assumptions, quit making assumptions because we all know what they do. But man, it feels good to be back. It feels good to be back in the good topic, the pod Love it. chair. So <laughs> that's it, everyone. Um, thank you for listening. As always, thank you very much. We appreciate it a lot. If you would do us a favor, we'd appreciate that as well. Tell a friend to check out the podcast, someone that you think could benefit from it, who maybe needs to hear some of the things we're talking about, just one person. We'd really appreciate it. And also, if you'd leave us a rating and a review, we'd also really appreciate that. It means a lot to us. I've actually started leaving reviews for my favorite podcasts, which I'd never really done before because I know now how much we appreciate it. And I think what a jerk I've been for not leaving my own reviews for other people. So um was convicted there. Otherwise, you're always welcome to email us at Steve, Justin, or Derek at thelifestylepractice.com and slash or 
join us on our TLP podcast Facebook page. We'd love to pick up the conversation there. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And until next week, peace. Later, everybody. Merry Christmas. Listen to be great.